Hey, we're so excited that you tuned in and we want to let you know about something exciting happening here at Freedom. Beginning September 17th, we are offering two worship experiences at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Both experiences are identical. We would love to have you join us at one of our experiences. Hope to see you there. This morning, I, wanna, I want you to know something, that there's a little-known secret to catching monkeys. In case you've been looking to catch a monkey, I'm going to give you a tip. There's a secret that you may not know. In Africa, there's a, there's a secret to catching monkeys. And one of the ways is that they would take a gourd or a coconut, and they actually would cut a hole in it, and they would pour... Uh, Nuts or something that the monkey would like, right? And they would tie that gourd or thing to a particular uh, rope or string. And the monkey, they would then hide. The hunters would hide. And then they, the monkeys would smell it, reach into this gourd. And the hole was just large enough to get their hand in, but not large enough to get anything with the hand out. And so they would reach in grab the nuts, grab whatever is inside, and then they would have a handful and they would not get their hand out. And in fact, it was at that moment that the hunter would come and capture them. And so uh, what they found was interesting. The psychological element of this whole thing was interesting. That the monkeys that they found doing this would not let go of the nuts to say, I'm, a, I'm in trouble. Let go of the nuts and escape. They would not do so. In fact, they would try to run Away, And they could not because that particular uh, gourd was tied to a rope. And they would secure them. The hunters would come from behind them and capture them. And so with that, I found it interesting that, uh, you know, they wouldn't surrender what they holding on to so they can be free. But because they refuse to surrender that, they ultimately lose their freedom. And I found this as an unbelievable uh, application to what, we want, what we're going to talk about this morning. And let me ask you this question as we head into this morning's message. What is it that you're holding on to so tightly that will later imprison you? What are you holding on to so tightly that will later imprison you? I believe that there are some here today that... Hold on to resources like they hold on to our source. Now let me, be, let me be very clear. Your resources is not the same as your source. Your resources are not the same as your source. There's a huge mistake in our focus. Our resources are the means in which our, res- our, our source provides for us. Resources are more than money, but it is a very important part of that. And so, despite the seeds of generosity that I believe many of us hold in our lives, generosity is a matter of the heart, and we're all prone to approach life for self-preservation. How many know that to be true? We're built to say to ourselves... We want to be secure. We want to get all we can. We want to be holding on to our treasure so that we won't be uh, lacking or that we will be without. We don't want that to take place. So 
what, what we fail to see is that there's a hunter lurking behind us. If we don't release what we have, we won't truly be free. Does that make sense? So if you would allow me this morning, we at Freedom here believe that the truth is that God gives us all we need. And even more so, we also believe that everything we have and every chance we get to work hard, God has given us the breath, the health, the strength, and the intelligence to earn what we earn. If you're a believer this morning, then you probably believe that God has provided the strength and the health and the ability to do what we do. Yes? Yes? Okay. So, what I'm trying to get to here this morning and trying to uh, relay here in the next few moments is that our stewardship and the things that, the way that we handle our stewardship is very important. Randy Alcorn said this, our stewardship of our money and possessions becomes a story of our lives. In other words, what we do with what we have becomes our legacy. So this morning, I want to bring a message entitled to you, Generosity. Actually, this is part of a, a short series called Generosity. And my message title this morning is called Living an Open-Handed Life. Living an Open-Handed Life. Let me, let me preface this. Generosity is part of the Christian life. Money does not define a generous life. Money alone does not provide a generous life. Let me make that very clear. Are you guys with me? Money doesn't define a generous life. But there is no doubt that no matter how you slice it, if we don't learn how to handle the finances God has given us stewardship over, no matter how you cut it and how God has laid it out, we will fail in our attempt to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Now, the fear has to end in this. Church, listen to me. Many people, including pastors like myself, we struggle with talking about money. We struggle talking about resources. We struggle talking about generosity because for a long time, many people have mishandled and misappropriated how funds are dealt with. Is that true? And so what we've become, it's almost become a, a taboo topic in some people's eyes. But friends, let me tell you something. This fear has to end. And I believe it has to end here. Money and proper stewardship has to be brought out of the shadows to allow us to live the free lives God has called us to live. Now, if you are a part of freedom, we don't speak on this subject very often. And it's not a proud thing because as, as I begin to look at it, I begin to realize that we should talk about stewardship more. We should talk about how we handle finances more. Because all of us can probably do a little better in this subject, yes? And my goal here this morning is this. I want you to be affected by this message, by this series, for the next 25 years, not just the next 25 minutes. I want you to be affected by this the next 25 years of your life not just the next 25 minutes because as your leader i regret a few things and one of those is not talking about this subject enough can i be honest with you some people go well you know 
this talk about, you know, generosity, that's not really my thing. Church, I want to be crystal clear. It is any Christian's thing. It has to be our thing. And again, it doesn't limit ourselves to giving money. Okay, because I'm not trying to do a series, nor we as a church are trying to do a series to get more money. What we are is trying to get you to a place of obedience. And generosity is an an important part of walking in obedience. Now, maybe you think, it's okay, pastor, you know, I know the church, I know this church, I've been here long enough to know that you're not after our money and the church is not after your money. And no matter what the world says, I know the truth, pastor. But I want you to know something. You may, not, may, you may or may not know this. While I appreciate this, I also want you to know that stewardship was Jesus' favorite subject. He talked about stewardship more than he did faith and prayer combined. He spoke about stewardship. Follow me now. As I looked into this, I felt convicted as your leader, as your pastor. I felt convicted because I found out that Jesus spoke about stewardship, money, and resources 2,350 in, in 2,350 verses. 2,350 verses. Jesus spoke about stewardship, money, and finances. I don't know about you, but I was blown away by that. Because if you take prayer, how many would say prayer is important? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll talk after service. We can talk and have dialogue. How many would agree that faith is important? Right? Most of us are, oh, Pastor Tony, yes. But if I was to say stewardship and finances are important, you'd be like, yeah. And it's in the shadows. We kind of put it behind something and say, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we kind of. But if Jesus spoke about it 2,350 verses in our text, that's an amazing amount of verses. While preparing for this message that I'm going to speak to you this morning, I've been preparing for this message, I'm not kidding you, for months. This is not something I thought about a few days ago and said, hey, let's do this. This is something that's been on my heart. Because this question was posed to me, and I want to pose it to you. What kind of church would we be if everyone gave like you? What kind of church would we be if everyone gave like you? That's a deep, big, ginormous question. Because it isn't just limited to writing a check or giving some money. It's about generous living. It's about going above and beyond in our time, our our resources, our money, our minutes. Hello? These things matter to God and they're all encompassing. But when I was asked this question, my spirit jumped out and said, man, I know I give. I know what I give. I know that the tithe is 10%, but that's not the ending. That's a starting point. You, You hear what I'm saying to you? Some people say, well, I give my tenth and that's it. Honestly, if we're looking at scripture, that's not generosity. That's return to sender. Right? If we're looking at it honestly, we're looking at scripturally. 
tithing and giving to God, that first tenth is not, that's not necessarily giving to God. That's giving back to God. Above that is what we give to God. And so I, I had to ask myself, what kind of church would we be if everyone gave like me? That's a hard question. So you can either live your life with a clenched fist or an open hand. And this morning, I want to encourage you and lay this out to you. What if we lived an open-handed life? What if we lived in a way that goes beyond just a check that we write or money that we give? What if we live open-handed in every area of our life? Generosity is key to that. So you, you can look at this here this morning in three ways. And one of them is, is this. My first thought is this. Resources will fail you, but your source won't. Resources will fail you, but your source won't. So what are resources? Talk to me. Your money and your minutes. Can we just leave it to there? Or your materials. You can say that too, right? Your money, your minutes. Those things are part of it. And also the material possessions you own. Right? The three M's. Money, material, and minutes. Those are your resources. Those are what you have to work with. But your source is... Your source is... Right? God, Jesus, I'll accept all of the above. We're in church. You can say Jesus for just about anything. And it's the answer, right? Your resources will fail you. If you depend and you hold on to things... Longer than you should. They will fail you. And you will say, God, you failed me. And God says, I never failed you. Your resources failed you. But your sources, you've never come to me. You depended on the money. You depended on the material. But I have never failed you. Your resources will fail you. But your source will not. That's good teaching right there. It helps me to refocus a little bit of my life. If we're honest with ourselves, the scriptures, we can't deny that there's a connection between our wallet and our heart. There's a connection between our purse and the possessions that we own in our heart. And for maybe some of us, our purse, which is a male purse, and our heart. If we want to trust God with the true riches of this world, we got to be able to handle the little things. And you think, well, money is not little. In the light of eternity, friends, it's little. When he says, handle uh, the small things and I'll give you charge over much, right? He who is faithful with the little, guess what the little is? Yes, your paycheck. <laughs> Anybody else feel that way? <laughs> like, oh, Pastor Tony, you know my mail, don't you? When you're faithful in the little, God will give you charge over much. Friends, this, this mini-series is a whole lot more than dealing with money. It's a matter of the heart. And a generous spirit will always reap a generous blessing from God. So our text this morning, if you would allow me a moment. I want to read our text, but I want to start with the verse prior to our text. So if you would, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Can you help me out, um, Ron? Would you turn all the house lights up for just a little bit? Because I'm, I'm feeling a little dim in here. And I want to see all these wonderful faces here at Freedom. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 
My eyes are adjusting. That was very bright. We're going to start at verse 17 and we're going to move to our main text, which is verse 18 of 1 Timothy. You realize that when Timothy was written, um, it was to teach a young pastor the ins and outs of ministry, right? Paul was writing to Timothy and he was telling him, listen, here's some things you have to get right in your life. You follow me? And I think, I think there's some great things that uh, can be learned here. And I want to jump right into it. Here we go. Ready? Those who are rich in this world. Um, he says this. Those who are rich in this world not to be proud or not to just trust in money. And he says this about money. He says money is unreliable. Say it with me. Unreliable. He's talking about money here. So we're talking about resources, not the source. We're talking about money. We're talking about resources in our lives. And here's what he goes on to say. Because greatness is not about what you have, but what you give. You follow me? Greatness in our lives is not about what we have. It's about what we give. The impact that we make is what we invest into this world. Not what we get. Because he who dies with the most toys still dies, right? I've heard it be said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Um, Not quite. Not quite. The reality of the ending of that statement is he who dies with the most toys still dies. And so greatness is not determined by what you have, but what you give. So as we look at this, 1 Timothy tells us to be generous to those in need. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy 16, verse uh, 6, verses 18 through 19, rather. It says this, command them to do good. He's talking to Timothy. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. He's teaching them how to live the Christian faith. He says this, and to be generous and willing to what? To what? We are really good at that, even at a young age, right? Who is good at that at a young age? Said no one ever. Right? Because one of the first things we recognize and we realize that we say, our children, our children's children, no. Right? That's one, right? The other one, mine. Mine. My children learned that one fast, man. No. Mine. And we all learned that pretty fast. Is that right? So, here's what it says. It says, in this way they will lay up treasure For themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What is he talking about here? He's saying that when you give and you are generous. And you you provide for people who cannot provide for themselves. Look at me. That's what the church is. The church lays a foundation for the world to see what it means to be God. Generosity wasn't something we thought up. And I'll get to that in a minute. Generosity wasn't our idea. If it was our idea, we wouldn't say no. We would say yes. We wouldn't say mine. We would say yours. Here, this is yours. You saw her look at you. should have seen the look I got just now. I'll tell you what. Be careful. Don't do that again. We, we're not that prone to... So he, yours, yours, like here, here, yours, yours. We're not doing that typically. That's not, it's not in our nature. Why? Because we're self-preservers. We, we want to make sure we have enough. We want to make sure that everything is covered. And, and I understand that, right? 
That survival of the fittest mentality is, is kind of our nature. But you realize that our nature is a sinful one? But pastor, that's just the way I am. I know. That's the problem. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Because we've all done this. We've all said, well, honey, that's just the way I am. That's where you have every right to jab them. Right here, just... No, that's not the way he called us to be. Don't do it now. Do it after service where I'm not around. When we say that's just the way I am, you know what that means? I will settle with what I am instead of settling with what I can be. When I say, you know, that's just the way I am. I've been like that our whole marriage. Nobody looking around. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm trying to save marriages here, not destroy them. Focus. Paul was talking about generosity. He says, lay up treasure now. Invest in what really matters. Giving is not a matter of can and can't, but will or won't. Giving is not about a matter of can or can't. It's Will or won't. Because everyone. And Jesus showed this example, right? Let's just go to the monetary side of it for a moment. Jesus was standing. Let's imagine if we did that, right? We took our offering. And we had one person. And my church back in New York did this. We had ushers in the front. I love this idea. We come and we bring our offering to the Lord. And that's fantastic. We don't do that necessarily routinely here at Freedom. Well, I think I sh- we'll shake it up once in a while. I love bringing our offering to the Lord. Remember, I remember uh, our ushers would stand out front and out in my church and people would come. And they, they would play some music and people were dancing while they come bring their offering. They're like. I drop it in the bucket. I'm like, you go, boy. Right? They bring their offering to the Lord and. They bring it to the Lord, right? But we read in the New Testament where Jesus was standing, right? As people gave, he's watching them give. What if I stood there and just... Y'all would think I'm awkward, right? Most of you say, yeah. You just call Jesus awkward. That's on you. That's what Jesus did. Not because he was, not because he was trying to regulate people and, and trying to force them or make them feel obligated, but he realized that it was a condition of the heart because a woman came and dropped two mites and it wasn't much at all. But to her it was. It shows us that generosity has nothing to do with the amount, but it has to do with a generous spirit, the heart. And so I was convicted. Can I be honest with you, church? And while we're not a church that talks much about finances, let me reiterate, I regret that. Because if we don't talk about this, I don't allow you to be blessed by the opportunity to sow into something bigger than you. Do you realize that generosity is about sowing in something bigger than you? Larger than you can do by yourself? Second thought is this. Everything belongs to God. Everything that we own belongs to God. Now listen, if you're here this morning, you're a guest, you're a visitor, uh, please understand something. 
if you're not sure where you are in your faith, I'm not pressuring anyone to understand what I'm talking about. My, our priority here at Freedom is to get you into a personal relationship with Jesus. We're not here to get you to write a check. We're not getting you to, 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 to drop money into, uh, you know, an offering bag or something. Our priority is your soul. But those who call themselves believers, we have to realize that as believers, everything we have is God's already. And so we want to reflect that in, our, in the way that we express generosity. The only way we can loosen the grip of death that it seems to be, of, of generosity, like that, that death grip on resources in this world, is to release it, to live an open-handed life. The only way we can live generously is to say, God, nothing I have is truly mine. See, I could have something in my hands and not have a closed grip. But it also doesn't mean that my hand is empty. Are you following me? If we live our hands open-handed, it doesn't mean that it's empty. It just means that however God wants to do with it and distribute it, we give him that, we welcome him in that. You follow me? One of the things I found very interesting was in the New Testament how when the New Testament church was gathering together, they gathered their resources together and none of them, the Bible says, none of them lacked anything. And we as a church, we're entering a season right now where there's a lot of people that lack. And I can't tell you how many calls we get through the week of people that can't pay a bill, whether it's in-house or outside, especially outside. Churches get hit up a lot. Let's just be, I don't know if you know this, but churches get calls all the time, almost daily. Can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And sometimes the answer is we just can't at this time. Can I tell you that that hurts my heart? I wish we can, someone has a need and we can just be like, yes, absolutely. We'll pay that bill for you. We know how hard it is. How many know that, how many ever had a point in your life where you know it was hard to pay a bill and you were like, I don't know where it's going to come from. Ever felt like that? And so we want to be able to help that. And now we have a responsibility to also be good stewards. And so we can't help everyone, but we're entering a season that is difficult. God promises us, God promises to meet all of our needs, not all of our greeds. Isn't that right? The world that we live in, tries to take that word and God will meet all your needs and then turn it to God will meet all your greeds. <laughs> and that's not what God says either. I like what J.L. Kraft, how many ever heard of the Kraft uh, Cheese Company? The Kraft Cheese Corporation. He, he said this, he says this, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. J.L. Kraft, Kraft Cheese Corporation. The only money that's paid consistent increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. We release and God handles the rest. Each of us have to give an account to God for our generosity. And Matt, and my third point is this. Generosity is a godly trait. How many are with me? Generosity is a godly trait. It's been said one can give and not love, but one cannot love and not give. It's real quiet. One can give and not love, but one cannot love and not give. 
Matthew 6 says it like this. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, here's what you need to do. Right? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For there your treasure, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Interesting enough. How many have ever heard that verse before? It's interesting because I found this, this very disturbing study from Larry Burkett and the financial group that handles a lot of different things dealing with money. Now watch this for a moment. The average Christian pays more interest than he gives to the Lord's work. Another study also concluded that in a church of 100 families, 37 will give nothing to the work of the Lord. 37% will give nothing to the work of the Lord. Can I tell you something? Generosity in the church is a part of the Christian godly trait God is calling us to. Can I tell you something? There's a great vision and a great mission that this church has. How many would agree with that? There's a great mission that we have. But that's not okay. If this is your church, we encourage you by any stretch, ask God. Ask God, what can I give to help the work move forward? And I believe God will answer that. Luke 16, 11 says this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If we're trustworthy with worldly wealth, will we be trusted with the true treasures? Man, I tell you, I'm, I'm moved by this because I love what this 2 Corinthians passage says this. If you would help me out, media team. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look up at the screen for, with me for a moment. I know you may have it in your Bibles, but look at the screen for a moment. But since you excel in everything, right? You know, he's, he's prefacing you guys do a lot of things really well. In fact, to say everything means you do most everything or everything well. You do everything well. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest, in love, we have kindled to see that you also excel in your giving. The grace of giving. Is it possible that we can be good at everything except giving? I think, I think it's very possible. But I also don't think it's, an, it's, it's complete obedience. Because God wants all of you. All of you. And 2,350 verses is a lot to cover. And if Jesus found it important, so do we. Right? He found prayer important. Yes. We find faith to be important. Yes. But he talked about stewardship more than both of those together. So when we talk about living in an open-handed life, church, hear me and hear me closely. He's never going to let us down. Right? That's kind of our theme this morning. He's never going to let us down. But if we live our life in such a way, white-knuckled, closed fist, God, you can do everything, but don't take this. We're not living life to the fullest. Let me say this. I remember when my kids were little and specifically... My first son. Um, I remember there were three stages he went through. And I'll say this quickly here. 
First stage was, I remember that he would lay on the ground and he would do this uh, kind of like shifting his body. Kind of like inchworm, right? He would kind of lay on the ground and he would be like, Ugh. and he like try to move his body and he couldn't really go anywhere. But then he'd like fall forward, right? And then he's like, I got somewhere, right? That's stage one, right? That's when it starts. That's when they start and you just go, oh, wow, you did great. You don't realize that there's a point where they go mobile and you're like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? Stage two is when they start the super crawl. I call it the super crawl. Have you seen a kid learn how to crawl and then he gets really good at it? They can crawl faster than you could walk sometimes. I'm like, do you have titanium knees? Because I would die if I did that. How do you do that? Super crawl. That's stage two. And then at some point, they figure out that they can lean up. They're wobbly. Some of you do that this morning. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You got out of bed like this. What am I, one? Right? And then they realize they can go mobile. They walk alongside the furniture. That's the third stage, right? They start walking along furniture. And then they realize they can stand on their own. And you go, yay! Until they start to run. They're like, no! And then they go mobile and you're in trouble. And you got to cover all the sockets and stuff. You go mobile. You know, giving is the same way. For some of you, giving has not been a consistent thing. Whether it's your money or your minutes. Serving in the church. Giving in generosity. Can I tell you something? When you start to live your life in an open-handed way, great things happen. But it can be scary sometimes. I've written scary checks. I've written scary checks before. Like, God, I, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I really believe I'm supposed to do this. And, and I tell you what, we, we have never seen God let us down. Can I encourage you with this? We've never seen God let us down. So I want to encourage you with this. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll close with this thought, if you would. Here's the big idea. I don't think you have to look any further than God himself to find out the compelling reason why we are generous. Let's close our eyes for a moment because I want to talk about something in just a moment. But I want to pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that is to know you. God, I thank you that you are the ultimate generous spirit. You are a generous God. You are a good God. I pray that God, you allow us to see how important generosity is. And it's not about money. It's not about just serving, but it's a heart issue. And if we can fix the heart issue, we can serve in our money and our minutes and do it with freedom. And we can live a life of generosity that sets us free. In Jesus' name, help us to be obedient in that. In Christ's name. Look at me for a minute. Generosity is embedded into every book of the Bible. He's so passionate about generosity that he, he is the driver of the gospel, that is, Jesus. Generosity moved Jesus away from his throne of heaven to wrap himself in flesh, to take form of a servant so he can die for you. Generosity. Generosity direct him to mingle with outcasts and touch the untouchable, every single one of us. 
generosity and love took Jesus to the cross. Took on our sin and the portion of our lives has left us in a saved mode today. Generosity compels him to overcome death and give us new life. Can I ask you right where you are to stand with me for a moment? I want you to know something. Generosity was God's idea from the beginning. God so loved the world that he generously gave his son. That's an amazing thought. And I never, I never could shake that. I never could understand that. I hold my children on a daily, daily basis in one way or another. Whether it's a hug or a kiss to the head or something or a high five or whatever it is. And it's in those moments that I realize how precious those gifts are to me. To give it up for somebody on death row, it's not even a thought. But we were on death row. God gave his son for us. Amen. How many are grateful for God's generosity to us? I hope you see my heart behind this series that we're beginning in generosity. I hope you pray and ask God to show you how you can partake with this vision. That is freedom. I want you to know something. That while we're talking about multiple facets. Reality is that your giving and your generosity is what helps this church do what it does. And has done what it has done over the last six years. Church, there hasn't been a time I've went before you and presented a need. That you haven't went to the plate and seriously took to it. I've seen goals matched in amazing ways. Right? We, I mean, we've been at this a while, right? As a church, we've gone through some things. Is that right, Shane, Sammy? We've been through some things as a church, right? Many of you have been with us for quite some time. Ron, Ann, you've been with us for some time, right? Many of you walk a long journey with us. Some of you remember the bingo hall a long way from a bingo hall you've been amazing but I'm I'm wondering if everyone gave like you gave how would this church look now I want to preface this thought there's always a drop box back there if you feel like you know what I haven't tested God in this that's one of the few things in the Bible where God says test me and it's in giving why? Because so many people hold on to things and they never receive from God because they're too tight holding on to what they have that they don't live an open-handed life to receive what He has for us. What if He has more for you than what you have in your hands? You're clinching that dollar and He has a, a five. You're clinching that five and He has a 20 spot for you. You follow what I'm saying? And I know life is not about money because I think you heard what I said just now. But if Jesus found it important to talk about in this world, so should I. And generosity is a fruit of a godly person. So I pray that you receive this word as I believe God has given it to me. So let me pray. And I want to release you in a moment. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, thank you for those who live a life of generosity. Thank you for those that have considered giving 
but maybe aren't sure what they want to invest in. Lord, we leave it to you, but we choose to open our hands, to open our hands to hear your, your voice and how to give both our money and our minutes. God, because whatever rules our money and our minutes is our master. We thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you gave. Now help us to reciprocate that love and generosity. In Jesus' name we pray.